What's up, humans, muggles, nerds, witches, warlocks, whatever you are, worms, um, to a very belated daily science report. <laughs> it's been so long since I've done one, but this is going to be, I think, one of the coolest and most influential science reports perhaps ever. And um, happy 420 to everyone, guys. We made it to another one. Um, I think today is the perfect day to talk about how important it is to <clears throat> fully legalize cannabis globally all the way across the entire face of the planet. And I'm going to be getting into some of the science as to why we should be doing that. And um, without further ado, we'll just start getting into some of these articles. And actually here in the next um, hopefully week or so, while we're still in the 420s, I'll try to actually interview a PhD in cannabis science who's doing some cool work in the cerebellum and um, I may end up reading some of her work today um, in these articles so just hopping on sciencedaily.com and we're just gonna put cannabis in the search field and see what comes up this is gonna be interesting so uh Oof, this is crazy to keep in mind. Uh, first article right off the bat is titled, Any dose of alcohol combined with cannabis significantly increases levels of THC in the blood. Hello. Hello. <laughs> well, you don't say crossfaded. That's what that's this is what crossfaded is guys i was just thinking about this this is fucking amazing so my mind is already blown um and here's uh just a little something to be said for alcohol because i actually don't drink much alcohol but that's about to change guys uh i'm about to go get some nice fucking uh how do you say scotch this afternoon we're gonna change all that uh, so this is from the American Association for Clinical Chemistry. I'll drop a link to you guys uh, if you want to read along. Let's see. Boom. Got that. And just in case anyone needs the credentials, there are going to be uh, some, you know, uh, links to some actual peer-reviewed material in that link there. Uh, cannabis plus alcohol is one of the most frequently detected drug combinations in car accidents, yet the interaction of these two compounds is still poorly understood. Uh, study appearing online in clinical chemistry. Wow. Well, that's, that's normal because those are also commonly used drugs. So just keep that in mind, guys. Uh, it's an unnecessary statistic for what we're talking about here. Um, the journal AACC shows for the first time that stimulations, simulations, simultaneous use of alcohol and cannabis produces significantly higher blood concentrations of cannabis's main psychoactive constituent delta-9 tetrahydrocannabinol, as well as THC's primary active metabolite 11-hydroxy-THC. Then cannabis use alone will... <laughs> Let's see. Well, butter my biscuits. <laughs> I'm gonna have I'm gonna have to start drinking a little bit more. 
Currently, 23 states and the District of Columbia have legalized medical cannabis and Colorado, Washington, Oregon, Alaska have decriminalized recreational cannabis use as cannabis becomes more widely accessible. The verdict remains out on whether cannabis intoxication increases the risk of car accidents. Experts agree, however, that the combination of cannabis and alcohol raises the chance of crashing more than either substance by itself. That's fair. Um, <laughs> in a study of 1,882 motor vehicle deaths, the U.S. Department of Transportation found an increased accident risk of 0.7 for cannabis use, 7.4 for alcohol use, and 8.4 for cannabis and alcohol use combined. Uh, increased accident risk. Hmm. Interesting. To shed light on the ways in which cannabis and alcohol interact to negatively impact driving, a group of researchers studied 19 adult participants who drank placebo or low-dose alcohol with the target break alcohol, uh, target peak breath alcohol concentration of 0. I'm sorry, 0. 0.065. 10 minutes prior to inhaling 500 milligrams of placebo, low-dose THC or high-dose a 6.7 THC vaporized cannabis. The researchers found with no alcohol, the median maximum blood concentrations for low and high THC doses were 32.7 and 42.2 nanograms THC respectively and 2.8 and 5 nanograms 11 uh, OH THC, which is the metabolite um, Hydroxy THC. Um, let's see. So, respectively, doses were with the median maximum blood concentrations for low and high doses were 35, 67, and 3.7 for the hydroxy. The significantly higher blood THC and 11-hydroxy THC median maximum concentration values of alcohol possibly ex explain increased performance impairment obscured, observed from cannabis-alcohol combinations. Okay, blah, blah, blah. That's basically the whole article, but I'm trying to look at some of the math here. And let's see. So this is about no alcohol. We were hitting levels of 32, 42, and 2.8 on the hydroxy with... Uh, with alcohol, the median maximum blood concentrations for low and high doses were 35, 6, 7, and 3. And then, uh, okay, it was relatively similar. So even, what the fuck? I'm so confused by these numbers. <laughs> I don't know. I'm going to have to look at this actual article. Um, but it looks like we're talking about a difference between... Okay. It it ranged between 35 and 67 versus 32 and 42. Okay, so without alcohol, you're talking 32 to 42 nanograms per liter of THC in the blood. With alcohol, you're talking 35 to 67. So that's quite an increase, a uh, noticeable increase. Now, how much alcohol do you need to consume to make this work if you catch my drift um, <laughs> uh, it says 
any dose of alcohol, any dose of alcohol. So a dose of alcohol, which could be a beer, a shot, you know, that's amazing to me. I think that's really kind of interesting. This really opens my mind to alcohol a lot. I think it's really going to benefit me to have some. I haven't, I haven't drank in forever. Um, it's probably going to be good for my heart and my blood, you know. Um, and I like having a little shot every now and then. It really makes a nice night. So, you know, all the shit that I talk about alcohol has just changed <laughs> with that one article. It's just totally blown my mind. We're just into the first article today. So the next one says swimming secrets of prehistoric reptiles unlocked by new study. Oh, that's a different one. I've gone too far past. Let's try this again. Um, cannabis. If you guys don't know, cannabis stems from the word uh, in Hebrew, kanech bosom which means fragrant cane or cane that is fragrant, like a, a blossom. Like think of a cane that has blossoms on it. Kana bosom is what the word means. It was also used for canvas. You might already know these facts. How ancient viruses got cannabis high. Ancient viruses. Wait, got cannabis high. Interesting. That's what it says. Let's read this. This is all just so totally fascinating to me. Uh, ancient viruses contributed to the evolution of hemp and marijuana. Okay, so now we know this, guys, but let's just see what they come up with. Uh, THC and CBD bioactive substances produced by cannabis and sought by medical patients and recreational users sprung to life thanks to ancient colonization of the plant's genome by viruses. Of course, viruses are responsible for a lot of that. But that's kind of interesting. World's first cannabis chromosome map reveals the plant's evolutionary past points to its future as potential medicine Ooh, la la so we have the uh we had the human genome project now we have the cannabis genome project that we're kind of talking about here thc and cbd bioactive substances produced by cannabis and stopped by medical patients and recreational users bring to life blah 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 Finding is only one of the insights revealed by the long-awaited cannabis genome map detailing gene arrangement on the chromosomes published recently in the journal Genome Research. Among other revelations, our discovery of the gene responsible for the production of cannabichromine, or CBC, a lesser-known cannabinoid, as the active substances in cannabis are known and new insights into how strain potency is determined. Okay. Uh, the chromosome map is an important foundational resource for further research, which, despite cannabis rice, despite cannabis's widespread use, has lagged behind other crops due to restrictive legislation, says Tim Hughes, a professor in the Donnelly Center for Cellular and Biomolecular Research and co-leader of the study. Hughes is also a professor in the Department of Molecular Genetics and senior fellow at the Canadian Institute for Advancement of Research. Researchers expect the map will speed up breeding efforts to create new strains which, uh, with desired medical properties as well as varieties that can be grown more sustainably or with increased resistance to diseases and pests. Uh, that's not necessarily good for medicine, guys. Uh, the study was a three-part collaboration between Tim Hughes and those of Jonathan Page for Cannabis and the University of British Columbia and Harm Van Bakeld of the 
Eichhan School of Medicine at MT Sinai in New York. Hughes Page and Van Bakel first got together in 2011 when they released the first draft of cannabis. Okay, I guess as long as they're testing on rats and stuff, it should be fine. Oh, how nice it must be to be one of those lab rats that gets uh, cannabis tested. I hope it's nice for those lab rats. Uh, lab rats. <laughs> I like to fight for the the uh, ethical treatment of laboratory animals. I think most most scientists do. I think. Uh, study was a three-part collaboration between Tim Hughes. The map reveals how hemp and marijuana, which belong to the same species, cannabis sativa, evolved a separate strain with distinct chemical properties. Cannabis, right, hemp and marijuana, same species, two different um, strains, I suppose, uh, evolved as separate strains with distinct chemical properties. So what does a strain mean in taxonomy? That's not like a scientific term, I don't think. I don't know. Cannabis plants grown for drug use, marijuana, are abundant in psychoactive tetrahydrocannabinol or THC, whereas hemp products, uh, hemp produces cannabidiol or CBD, popular of late for its medicinal potential. Some people use CBD to relieve pain. It's also being tested as a treatment for epilepsy, schizophrenia, and Alzheimer's. The enzymes making THC and CBD are encoded by THCA, CBDA synthesis genes, respectively. Both are found in chromosome 6, 15 chromosomes, blah, 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 blah. Aha. The enzyme genes are surrounded with vast swaths of garbled DNA, which come from viruses that colonized the genome millions of years ago. This viral DNA or retro elements, as it is known, made copies of itself that spread across the genome by jumping into other sites in the host cell's DNA. Why couldn't this, what is this virus? Can we put this virus in other plants? First question. Um, plant genomes can contain millions of retro element copies. Uh, <clears throat> this means that linking genes, this is a uh, Professor Van Bakel speaking. This means that linking genes on chromosomes is analogous to assembling a huge puzzle where three quarters of the pieces are nearly the same color. The combination of a genetic map and pack biosequency technology allows us to increase the size of the puzzle pieces and find enough distinguishing features to facilitate the assembly process and pinpoint the synthase genes. Uh, the researchers believe the gene duplication of the ancestral synthase gene and expanding retro elements drove ancient cannabis to split into chemically distinct types. Okay, humans subsequently selected for plants containing desirable chemistry, such as high THC. The gene sequences for THCA and CBDA synthases are nearly identical, supporting the idea that they come from the same gene, which was duplicated millions of years ago. Over time, one or both gene copies became scrambled by invading retro elements and by evolving separately. They eventually came to produce two different enzymes, CBDA synthase found in hemp and THCA synthase in drug type marijuana. Because the enzymes are so similar at the DNA level, until this study, it was not even clear if they are encoded by separate genes or by two versions of the same gene. Adding, the confu adding to the confusion was the fact that most strains produce both CBD and THC despite breeders' efforts to grow hemp varieties free from the mind-altering THC for users looking to avoid it. The chromosome map now clearly shows that two distinct genes are at play when 
which should make it possible to separate them during breeding to grow plants without THC. Oh, no, no. <laughs> Some psychoactive effects in medical strains could be coming from CBC, a lesser known cannabinoid that has unusual pharmacology, including anti-inflammatory properties. The discovery of the gene responsible for CBC synthesis will make it possible for breeders to tailor its content in future varieties. Mainstream science has still not done enough because of research restrictions, says Page of UBC and chief scientific officer at Aurora, one of Canada's largest producers of medical, medical cannabis. Legalization and looming ease of research regulation really provide for opportunities for more research to be done, and Canada is leading the way. Oh, Canada, I love you oh so much. I would love some cannabis maple syrup, guys. You know how good that sounds? Oh, my God. Cannabis maple syrup injected into my veins. Just put it straight in me. It sounds amazing. Um, this science is really blowing my mind, though. This is some really cool stuff. I knew it, was, I knew it would be cool, but it's just... Uh, Let's see if we can find a more interesting one for you guys. Cannabis flower is an effective mid-level analgesic medication for pain. Sex drugs and uh, why cannabis affects women differently. Cannabis reverses aging process in the brain. What the fuck? You heard it, guys. We'll get to that one. We'll just work our way towards that one. Okay. We'll start with cannabis flower is an effective mid-level analgesic medication for pain. And researchers using the largest database of real-time recordings of the effects of common and commercially available cannabis products in the United States, the U.S., researchers at the University of New Mexico found strong evidence that cannabis can significantly alleviate pain with the average user experiencing a three-point drop in pain suffering on a zero to ten-point scale immediately following cannabis consumption. Bada-bing, bada-boom. Sending this one to my friend, too. Uh... With a mounting opioid epidemic at full force and relatively few alternative pain medications. Let me just send this link to her real quick so she knows I hear her and she is seen. <laughs> Happy 420 to everyone again. Uh, let's see, where were we? Chronic pain affects more than 20% of adults and is the most financially burdensome health condition that the U.S. faces, exceeding, for example, the combined cost of treating heart disease and cancer. What the fuck? Jesus Christ. What the fuck? We could be growing this shit ourselves in our backyards, and we are, li we are literally slowing down research that could be done to fight things like heart disease and cancer because we're spending so much drugs on things like Tramadol and fucking Darfacet and, like, dude, when people could be uh, growing the shit in their backyard, totally uh, subsidizing the cost of all of that shit, perhaps even working in conjunction with it to make it healthier and like less toxic. Who knows, dude, this is just making me like, I'm like violently mad over this, but this is good news. <laughs> this is just how I react to good news. This is how pessimists react to good news. <laughs> Our country has been flooded with an overprescription of opioid medications, which 
then often leads to non-prescription opioid and heroin use for many people. This man-made disaster is killing our families and friends, regardless of socioeconomic status, skin tone, and other superficial human differences. That was Jacob Miguel Vigel, Vigil, one of the lead investigators of the study titled The Effectiveness of Self-Directed Medical Cannabis Treatment for Pain, published in the Journal of Complementary Therapies in Medicine. Uh, Vigil explains cannabis offers average pa- and the average patient an effective alternative to using opioids for general use in the treatment of pain with very minimal negative side effects for most people. The researchers relied on information collected, re- re- uh, re- collected with Relief App, a mobile software program developed by co-authors Franco uh, Brockelman Keenan Keeling and Brandon Hall. The app enables cannabis users to monitor real-time effects of the breadth of available cannabis-based products, which are always variable. Of course, given the complexity of the cannabis plant from which these products are obtained. Uh, Since its release in 2016, the commercially developed relief app has been the only publicly available incentive-free app for educating patients on how different types of products, flower or concentrate, combustion methods, cannabis subspecies, indica sativa and hybrid and major cannabinoid cannabinoid contents like THC, CBD, CBG, etc. affect their symptom severity levels, providing the user invaluable feedback on their health status, medication choices, and the clinical outcomes of those choices as measured by symptom relief and side effects. Scientifically, software like the Relief app enables researchers to overcome the inherent limitations of government-influenced clinical trials on the real-time effects of cannabis, which are, in general, but often limited by onerous federal regulations, including Schedule 1 status, no accepted medical use, and a high abuse potential, and the mandate that investigators use the notoriously poor quality and low-potency cannabis products supplied by National Institute of Drug Abuse. Wow. So even just rescheduling cannabis from schedule one to schedule two, uh, classifying it with fentanyl, oxycodone and cocaine rather than heroin and ecstasy could dramatically improve our ability to wait heroin and ecstasy. Notice how all of like fentanyl, oxycodone, cocaine, all these things um, are schedule two. And those are perfectly legal. Whereas heroin, something that comes from, uh, or maybe even, I wonder where opium sits on this cl- opium's classification is because it just comes straight from the plant. Ecstasy is relatively safe as well um, compared to a lot of these other substances. It just blows my mind. Anyway, uh, putting cannabis on a schedule to uh classification could drastically improve our ability to conduct research and only would require the DEA recognize that accepted medical uses for cannabis exist as clearly evidenced by our results and flourishing medical cannabis programs in the majority of U.S. states pointed out by co-author Sarah Sith. I'm sorry, Stith. Among the study's findings, the greatest uh, analgesic responses Analgesic responses were reported by people analgesic, 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 
I don't know. It's a weird word. <laughs> the responses were reported by people that used whole dried cannabis flower or buds, particularly cannabis with relatively high levels of tetrahydrocannabinol, otherwise known as THC, the more recently popularized cannabinoid cannabidiol or CBD in contrast showed little association with the momentary changes in pain intensity based on the massive database explored in the study. I can say when I broke my ankle that CBD was like, mm, yeah, cool, but THC drastically helped with the pain, noticeably helped with the pain. I wouldn't say drastically. I would say noticeably. Cannabis likely has numerous constituents that possess anal analgesic properties beyond THC. It's analgesic, I'm sure, including uh, terpenes, flavonoids, which likely act synergistically for people that use whole dried cannabis flower, said Vigil. Our results come from, our, our results confirm that cannabis use is relatively safe and effective medication for alleviating pain, that it's the most important message to learn and that is the most important message to learn from our results. It can only benefit the public for people to be able to responsibly weigh the true risks and benefits of their pain medication choices. And when given this opportunity, I've seen numerous chronic pain patients substitute away from opioid abuse, uh, among other many other substances, I'm sorry, among many other classes of medications in favor of medical cannabis. Pardon me, I need to get a drink and eat some breakfast. Um, let me get some water. I'll get some water. Perhaps the most surprising result is just how widespread relief was with symptom relief reported in about 95% of cannabis administration sessions and across a wide variety of different types of pain, added the author of the study, uh, Zhao Zhe Li. Zhao Zhe Li, I believe. The authors of the authors do caution that cannabis use does carry the risks of addiction, short-term impairments in cognition, behavioral functioning may be effective, uh, may not be effective for everyone. However, there are multiple mechanisms by which cannabis alleviates pain and suffering. In addition to its anti-inflammatory properties, cannabis activates receptors that are uh, co-localized with opioid receptors in the brain. Cannabis with high THC also causes mood elevation and adjusts additional demands, likely distracting patients from the adverse sensations that people refer to pain. Wow. When compared to the negative health risks associated with opioid use, which currently takes the lives of over 115 Americans a day, including my friend Heather, who just left four kids behind. Uh, cannabis may be an obvious value to patients. Chronic opioid use is associated with poor quality of life, uh, social isolation, lower immune functioning, and early morbidity. In contrast, my own ongoing research increasingly suggests that cannabis use is associated with reversal of each of these potential outcomes, said Vigil. <sighs> wow. Yeah, I, I don't get sick, guys. <laughs> Uh, someone with, I was just hanging out with my friend the other day. We we're smoking together. She's like, I have strep throat. I'm like, I don't care. Like I don't get sick, you know? Um, and I don't have it yet. I think I had a little tickle in the back of my throat the other day and I think I'm over it today. So I may have noticed it, but yeah, my body just, 
you know, chews it up and spits it out. So there's the link to that article. That's just three articles I am tired of reading. So this next article I'm going to highlight and uh, how are you guys doing, by the way? Feel free to call in with any questions you guys might have about cannabis or um, if you have any specific questions about cannabis, I can pull up the research on that and we can get you guys some answers, hopefully. And until then, I find this stuff absolutely fascinating. And uh, sometime in the next couple of weeks, I'm going to be interviewing a Ph.D. in cannabis science for y'all. She's really interesting. She uh, did some work relating to cannabis and the cerebellum. So looking forward to talking to her. And uh, let's see what the next article is on the list. These are really good. So hell yeah for being a pain reliever. It says sex, drugs, and estradiol. Why cannabis affects women differently. This is interesting. I'm going to let a woman's voice read it. I think that would be exciting, huh? What do you guys think? It might not be as good as my reading voice. Uh, it might be better than my reading voice. You guys can let me know um, if you guys like this reading voice or my reading voice better. And then if y'all like the talk to text version, that would make my life a lot easier, honestly. And we can just rock these shows out uh, AI style. So let's see. Without further ado, let's give it a shot. Here we go. Sex, drugs, and estradiol. Why cannabis affects women differently. Date, October 26, 2018. Source, Frontiers. Summary, sex differences in cannabis use are beginning to be explained with the aid of brain studies in animals and humans. Share, full story. Cannabis use is riding high on a decade-long wave of decriminalization, legalization, and unregulated synthetic substitutes. As society examines the impact, an interesting disparity has become apparent. The risks are different in females than in males. Advertisement. A new review of animal studies says that sex differences in response to cannabis are not just sociocultural, but biological too. Published in Frontiers in Behavioral Neuroscience, it examines the influence of sex hormones like testosterone, estradiol, estrogen, and progesterone on the endocannabinoid system, networks of brain cells which communicate using the same family of chemicals found in cannabis, called cannabinoids. Animal studies. It has been pretty hard to get laboratory animals to self-administer cannabinoids like human cannabis users, says study co-author Dr. Liana Fattori, senior researcher at the National Research Council of Italy and president of the Mediterranean Society of Neuroscience. However, animal studies on the effects of sex hormones and anabolic steroids on cannabinoid self-administration behavior have contributed a lot to our current understanding of sex differences in response to cannabis. Quote, so how does cannabis affect men and women differently? Besides genetic background and hormonal fluctuations, the paper highlights a number of important sex differences. Men are up to four times more likely to try cannabis and use higher doses more frequently. Male sex steroids increase risk-taking behavior and suppress the brain's reward system, which could explain why males are more likely to try drugs, including cannabis, explains Vittori. This is true for both natural male sex steroids like testosterone and synthetic steroids like nandrolone. Quote, but despite lower average cannabis use, women go from first hit to habit faster than men. In fact, men and women differ not only in the prevalence and frequency of cannabis use, pattern and reasons of use, but also in the vulnerability to develop cannabis use disorder. Females seem to be more vulnerable, at a neurochemical level, in developing addiction to cannabis, explains Victoria. Studies in rats show that the female hormone estradiol affects control of movement, social behavior and filtering of sensory input to the brain, while targets of drug taking, via modulation of the endocannabinoid system, whose feedback in turn influences estradiol production. Specifically, female rats have different levels of endocannabinoids and more sensitive receptors than males in key brain areas related to these functions, with significant changes along the menstrual cycle. As a result, the interactions between the endocannabinoid system and the brain level of dopamine, the neurotransmitter of pleasure and reward, are sex-dependent. 
Quote, human impact. The inconsistency of conditions in these studies greatly complicates interpretation of an already complex role of sex hormones in the endocannabinoid system and cannabinoid sensitivity. The effects varied according to the specific cannabinoid studied, as well as the strain of animals tested and duration of hormone exposure, admits Vittori. However, the human data so far are consistent with the idea that estradiol regulates the female response to cannabinoids. As in animals, human males and females are diverse in their genetic and hormonal-driven behavior and they process information differently, perceive emotions in different ways and are differently vulnerable to develop drug addiction. Blood levels of enzymes which break down cannabinoids fluctuate across the human menstrual cycle, and imaging studies show that brain levels of cannabinoid receptors increase with aging in females, mirroring in each case changes in estradiol levels. Quote, Vittori believes that deepening our understanding of the interactions between cannabinoids and sex steroids is crucial in assessing the impact of increasing cannabis use and tackling the fallout. Gender-tailored detoxification treatments and relapse prevention strategies for patients with cannabis addiction are increasingly requested. Optimizing personalized evidence-based prevention and treatment protocols demands further research on the source of sex disparities in cannabis response. Quote. Oh, what happened? I think that might be the end of it. Pardon me while I wash some dishes. Um, so what do you guys think? Y'all like uh, the robot voice or you like my voice better? <laughs> I like the robot voice better because I can uh, multitask. Um, woo! That was kind of interesting. Didn't really ha- I couldn't really understand everything she was saying. Um, of course, I couldn't really understand everything I was saying probably either, uh, to be fair. But um, that was an interesting examination of the difference between men and women in cannabis use. Okay, so this is a truly interesting one. Um, It's not very long, so I'll read this one. I'm really interested in this one. Cannabis reverses aging processes in the brain, study suggests. Researchers restore the memory performance of Methuselah mice to a juvenile stage. What the fuck? I told, I done told you guys. This is something that I've always speculated, always hypothesized myself because there was a day. I remember when I first started using cannabis back in the day and uh, someone told me a phone number and on the phone. And I hung up the phone with them, drove down the road a ways, listening to the radio. I was like, oh, shit, I forgot to write down that phone number. Boom. I recalled it. I was able to recall it stoned. And I was like, I thought that cannabis was supposed to, like, impair your short-term memory. But, like, um, I never would have remembered that before. Like, I used to struggle remembering phone numbers, you know, 30 seconds after someone told it to me. And here I am recalling this entire uh, phone number after driving down the road, uh, listening to music stuff, you know, distracted. So I, I, I just thought that was strange. And I said, yeah, it's anecdotal, but it seems to me that uh, based on my own, you know, observations of myself, it seems that cannabis is improving my memory, that my memory is getting better than it was when I was younger and not using it. Um, so call me crazy. Uh, and I was taking a lot of, uh, Adderall at the time and so that meant that I wasn't eating and I wasn't sleeping right. And so that will put your brain in a toxic state, which ages your brain, you know? And so I, I say that I got a lot of that back and this just, uh, very vindicating. It, it confirms a lot of that. So 
to the article, which is published uh, by the University of Bonn. Um, memory performance decreases with increasing age. Cannabis can reverse these aging processes in the brain. This was shown in mice by scientists at the University of Bonn with their colleagues at the Hebrew University of Jerusalem in Israel. Old animals were able to regress to the state of two-month-old mice with a prolonged low-dose treatment with a cannabis active ingredient. This opens up new options, for instance, when it comes to treating dementia. The results are now presented in the journal Nature Medicine, one of the most prestigious journals in the world, ladies and gentlemen. Like any other organ, our brain ages. As a result, cognitive abilities also decrease with increasing age. This can be noted, for instance, that it becomes more difficult to learn new things or devote attention to several things at the same time. This process is normal, but it can also promote dementia. Researchers have long been looking for ways to slow down or even reverse this process. Scientists at the University of Bonn and the Hebrew University of Jerusalem and Israel have now achieved this in mice. The animals have a relatively short life expectancy in nature and display pronounced cognitive deficits even at a 12 months, even at 12 months of age. The researchers administered a small quantity of THC, the active ingredient in the hemp plant cannabis, to aged, uh, I'm sorry, to mice aged two, 12, and 18 months over a period of four weeks. Afterwards, they tested learning capacity and memory performance in the animals, including, for instance, orientation skills the uh, and the recognition of other mice. Mice who were only given a placebo displayed natural age-dependent learning and memory losses. In contrast, the cognitive functions of the animals treated with cannabis were just as good as the two-month-old control animals. The treatment completely reversed the loss of performance in the old animals, reported Professor Andreas Zimmer of the Institute of Molecular Psychiatry at the University of Bonn, a member of the Cluster of Excellence Immunosensation. Now, granted, guys, keep in mind, Mice don't have nearly as complex a neocortex as humans, right? They don't have this big, amazing neocortex that we got. So uh, we are very different than mice in that way. But this does, I think, point to some very interesting research that should totally be done in humans. Uh, so years of meticulous research went into this. The treatment success is the result of years of meticulous research. First of all, the scientists discovered the brain ages much faster when mice do not possess any functional receptors for THC. Wow. These cannabinoid 1CB1 receptors are proteins to which the substances dock and thus trigger trigger a signal chain. CB1 is also the reason for the intoxicating effect of the THC in cannabis products, such as hashish, marijuana, or which accumulate at the receptor. THC uh, imitates the effect of cannabinoids produced naturally in the body, which fulfill important functions in the brain. With increasing age, the quantity of the cannabinoids naturally formed in the brain reduces. When activity of the cannabinoid system declines, we find rapid aging in the brain. To discover precisely what effect the THC treatment has in old mice, the researchers examined the brain tissue and gene activity of the treated mice. Findings were surprising. The molecular signature no longer correct. I'm sorry, the molecular signature no longer corresponded to that of old animals, but was instead very similar to that of young animals. The number of links between the nerve cells and the brain also increased again, which is an important prerequisite for learning ability. It looked as though the THC treatment turned back the molecular clock, said Zimmer. 
a low dose of the administered THC was chosen so that there was no intoxicating effect in the mice. Cannabis products are already permitted as medications, for instance, as pain relief. As a next step, the researchers want to conduct a clinical trial to investigate whether THC also reverses aging processes in the brain in humans and can increase cognitive ability. It can. Uh, the North Rhine uh, Westphalia science minister Svenha Schulz appeared thrilled by the study. The promotion of knowledge-led research is indispensable, as it is the breeding ground for all matters relating to the application. Although there is a long path from mice to humans, I feel extremely positive about the prospect that THC could be used to treat dementia, for instance. Boom! University of Bonn. Bada bing out of bond. <laughs> I'm so happy right now. This makes me so happy. This like vindicates years of bullshit. People have been saying to me, Oh, you fucking stupid stoners don't know what you're talking about. Oh, you crazy people. Yeah. Sit down, pay attention to the science. And I don't know, maybe listen to the healers in your community. I don't know. Um, the wise men. <laughs> So this is just so goddamn vindicating for me. I just can't believe how cool this news is. I'm going to drop a link to that last one in the chat. And that's 40 minutes, just 40 minutes of cannabis science this morning. I've got to take a break, get my life in order, get my ducks in a row. And I'll come back later this afternoon and we will continue. We'll do another episode of Daily Science Report uh, 420 um, version. Uh, but yeah. Uh, four articles in, my mind is just totally blown. Um, if you guys have any questions about cannabis, um, any questions about the articles at all, free drop them in the chat. Feel free to call in. Um, but I'm going to wrap this show up now and go use my hands to take care of some chores. And I'll be back this afternoon. We'll do it again. And I'll be back later this week with an interview with a PhD in cannabis science. So... It's a whole 420 week to look forward to. And I got my profile back, which means we're going to be having some cool interviews soon. So look forward to that. And I'll see you guys in the flip. I hope you guys all learned something.